Okay. What's going on, guys? It's your boys. It's Jordan, Samir, and Abraham. Jordan, he's a professional runner. He's your fast friend. I'm in med school, so I'm a smart friend. And even though he's got his camera off right now, Samir, my boy Samir, he's your bald friend. Kind of lost his hair a little young, you know, but we don't hold that against him. Uh, man, all the training. Doing? It's all the training. Yeah, I'm exactly. doing well, man. Hundred push-ups, hundred yeah, sit-ups. That's right. Uh, we did eleven hundred after eleven hundred for one piece this last week, which is a fucking huge milestone. Um, Monumental and monument. It was and it was a great chapter too. Uh, Samir, what did you think about the chapter? How did you feel about it? What did you like? What did you hate? Of course, of course. Uh, you know, I think. This chapter to me really cemented just uh, how big the villains, you know, in the in the Gorosei really are, and I think it's kind of it's it's interesting, right? There's a lot of exposition, a lot of history, um, and I think another big thing is, you know, you guys know I like I like Kizaru a lot, and I think it showed that even though at first it seemed like this guy was just a cog in the machine, he's he's kind of out there operating on his own thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, sword, shield, I don't know, lots of opportunities here. Yeah, Jordan, what, what 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 were you thinking? You know, it's interesting seeing Kuma show up at Fuchsia Village at the end, you know. Mm-hmm. I wonder what he was doing there. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if something might have been interesting to him in Fuchsia Village, you know, if there's anything that any any loved ones who had anything that was close to them in Fuchsia Village. I mean, we know Dragon had something that was close to him in Fuchsia Village. Uh, it's just a good question of anyone else that Kuma might have known uh, or been close to at any point might have had any connection with anyone in Fuchsia Village. I don't know. I don't know. But it's just really interesting to think about. Yeah, you know, his his best, his one of his best friend's sons. Though. That's the connection. That's the only yeah. connection. Maybe even two of his best friend's sons. You know, oh, I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting. I'm not sure. I, I agree. I think Kuma showing up at Fusha Village was by far the most interesting part of the chapter for me because I couldn't figure out why he was there and what he did. Because when he showed up, I was just like, obviously, you know, my mind first goes to he's 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 checking in on Luffy. He's doing some he, like you know, why else would anyone else show up to Fusha Village, right? Like Luffy's there, and um, but. When we get to Sabaody and when we get to like Thriller Bark, you know, and Kuma interacts with the Straw Hat Pirates, Luffy clearly doesn't recognize him, right? So I think we can we can probably safely say that Kuma and Luffy don't actually meet face to face on Fusha Village, right? Um It seems so, unlikely, but it's really interesting to think about the possibility of Kuma following truly following Luffy from over the course of his journey, right? Like Obviously, that what we learn about him in Thriller Bark sort of reads differently now that we know that he's sort of his is like a disciple of Nika, so to speak. Obviously, yeah. you know him protecting the ship, sending everyone to different places that we've seen him go in Sabaody. Yeah. Uh, sort of like reads differently, and it's really interesting thinking about like has he really been behind the scenes, sort of like following Luffy's journey this whole time? Yeah, but I guess my question is, how would he even know that Luffy was? Because this is set two years prior to Luffy going out to sea, right? So at this point, I don't know how anyone other than Shanks would know that Luffy's eaten the 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 Gomu Gomu no Mi, right? 
because it's not like he's got a, a bounty or anything like that. I don't even think Dragon would know that his son has eaten this fruit, right? So, like, I I, I do think that's an interesting idea. Um, it's just like, and you know, I, I'm you know, I'm sure Oda will will. I trust that he'll write something, you know, interesting, right? Like, like why, like, and you know, maybe it could be something about like they maybe he did actually meet Luffy, and then you know he used his powers to like push out Luffy's memories, so that's why Luffy doesn't recognize him down the line because we know Kuma can do that with his abilities, but like, um, yeah, I was I was confused by that also because when I first read the chapter, maybe maybe I misinterpreted the scan that I read, but when I read it, it seemed like. He was being sent to Fusha Village by the world government. Like he's on the phone with like the Gorosei, like as he's approaching that village, right? So, oh, so it, it's oh, so he's one hundred percent, yeah, one hundred percent, because he's talking actively to the government. Yeah, but they also are asking where he is, and he's like, "I'm in the East Blue right now." So it's not entirely clear whether he just happens to be at Luffy when he hears from the Elder Stars, or whether the Elder Stars had sent him to Fusha Village to check out, in on something, right? Yeah. That's that's really the question. And to answer one of your questions you presented earlier too, right? You're saying like, how would he know about Luffy? Listen, like how he seems to be the only person in this whole story who knows about Nika besides the Elder Stars, right? It's basically people with Buccaneer blood, potentially maybe Blackbeard. We'll see. It's potentially people with Buccaneer blood, um, people from like whatever culture he came from, maybe people in that island. But the idea that he might know who luffy is like i think we don't know enough about what's happened on his journey um to have a really great I idea that he wouldn't know who luffy was that decisively well here's what's interesting are you saying that kuma is interested in luffy right now because he ate the gum gum fruit or because he's dragon's son or both because i don't think anybody knows or anybody you know relevant at this point knows that luffy is dragon's son because dragon wouldn't even tell ivankov in that you right. know one Ivankov flashback didn't even know that dragon right. had a dragon had a son I, well i mean listen first of all i'm saying that he's there because of jenny's son and i'm right. dying on this hill so that's the first thing i'm <laughs> saying that he's there because he's checking up on dragon and jenny's son that's why dragon when, when ivankov in that chapter i think it's 539 when ivankov sees dragon uh ivankov's like oh that makes sense and it's like He's like, I knew you two were banging. I knew Dragon and Jenny. Like, I knew something was going on there. Abraham wanted Jenny to just be celibate the whole time, but but no, she was out here getting some good loving from from Monkey D. Dragon. Yeah, that age difference got me tripped up, but all right, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that later. I don't know anything all about that. That's coming. That's coming up later in the show. Uh, but. To me, it's 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 not. It doesn't have to. We don't have to have a clear answer for why Kuma uh, is showing up in Fuchsia Village at this point for it to be possible that he's following along with Nika. And I think it's like, how did he know that Luffy was at Thriller Bark? How did he know that Luffy was at Sabadi? Like, I think it's possible that he's just following this journey. Uh, like, he he knows things other people don't know. Not to mention the revolutionaries. If there's anyone who we would think would completely randomly know about. Um, about something like the Nika fruit or like might randomly get intel. I think the revolutionaries are a good bet because we don't really understand their information networks and everything at this point in the story. We'll see if, but I don't expect that Puma has been following Luffy for his journey this whole time. I would be very surprised if that was the case, not ruling it out. Um, I think stuff like him showing up at Thriller Bark, like 
I can explain it pretty easy. Like, you know, the world government, like, so Luffy had just, you know, messed up uh, Ennis Lobby and Left Water 7. And they kind of knew, like, they knew the direction that he was going in to the point where they sent Kuma to Thriller Bark to be like, look, we know the Straw Hats are coming through your territory right now. And the world government is concerned that the Straw Hats are going to take down the second war. Right. So I think in general, and then you could apply that same logic kind of to like Sabaody as well. Right. We're like, the, the the area that the, like the straw hats were in at that time like was pretty well they just shook up the world you know what I mean um I'm not I'm not ruling I'm not ruling that out but like I I yeah I just I think I would find it on um, I just think it would be it would be unlikely I don't I don't I don't know what the point of it would be almost like. Because it's not like, you know, in Logtown when, when Dragon shows up, you know, like he gets like Luffy out of a pinch, you know what I mean? But like we 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 don't we don't really see Kuma doing any of this and you know you know, like when, when Crocodile stabs Luffy and like throws him into the sand, right? It's Robin who saves him, not not like Kuma. You know, maybe, you know, Oda will pull back the curtain and be like, Oh, but actually the only reason Robin knew to do this is because Kuba told her to, you know, I like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I, I, I don't really think that Oda is going to like retcon all of these events and be like, actually, Kuma was kind of always supporting the Star Hats. I think, I think there's, I, I think there's some, there's going to be some reason why he's at Fusha. Um, and we, 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 we just, we don't, I don't think it's going to be related to any of the events that have occurred on the Star Hats journey to this point. I think it's just, going to be entirely contained within Kuma's own story. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I'm intrigued, but it's definitely going to be... It's it's clear that he's going to be a more important character than I think we even had imagined at this point in the story. Oh my god, yeah. But one of my real reactions to this chapter was thinking about going back to like earlier in Egghead when Bonnie saw Kuma's feelings... It's like when you really think about it, that's like a lot more tragic than we would have thought, right? Like Bonnie's actually like twelve or something, and yep. is not someone who was aware that like might not have been aware that she misinterpreted what Kuma was saying about when she was gonna die. Uh, yeah. Didn't know that Kuma was like undergoing all these types of things to actually save her life, and like oh, why he became a pacifista, and she just found all of that during the egghead she's written to that and then a second level beyond that that i'm sort of curious about and i'd be curious to hear your reaction on is if that was something like kuma and vegapunk clearly seem to get along they're like hanging out they're having fun kizaru's having fun with them too right whatever um do you think that they knowing that he was going to become a mindless cyborg put his memories there such that he could actually gain them back at some point do you think he'll actually come back to getting his memories later in the story I think yeah, that regardless so... of whether or not he gets his memories back, they're there because we need information in them, right? Like some character is going to, and maybe it's Bonnie, maybe it's someone else, I don't know. But someone is going to find those memories, get that information, and then that's going to set off another chain of events, right? Now, your question about if Kuma's going to get those back, I almost feel like from an emotional point of view, this is so much more impacting knowing that Kuma can never go back to the way he was, right? I, I feel like it's so much more tragic knowing that he did all this, he sacrificed all this 
to either, you know, to well to both save Bonnie and to ensure a future in which people are liberated. Facts. Uh I I, I couldn't agree more. Um I personally I mean I told Jordan this. I feel like uh Kuma is dying at the end of Egghead. I think there's gonna it's gonna be, you know, a really, really tragic conclusion to his story that you know, the silver lining is that, you know, he does finally get to see Nika manifest at the end. I but like I I think it's possible that he gets his memories back, but I don't I don't think it happens. I think uh yeah, it it, it just it's it would pull it wouldn't it it would make me love the character even more to see him come to this kind of like tragic end. You know what I mean? And maybe that's like selfish of me because that's what I want to see in the story, but like uh I think I'm just so intrigued as to why they were put there in the first place though, right? Like clearly whatever he was gonna do like Clearly, whatever he was going to have to do to become a mindless, brainless cyborg or whatever is something Vegapunk would have been able to do on his own, right? The fact that yeah. he just has these memories sitting there, right? Like, yeah. did like why did they decide to do that? Did, did they leave them so Bonnie could come back later? Did they leave them so someone could come back eventually and find them? Did, is there yeah. important knowledge for Luffy to gain out of these memories? Um, think, like, it seems like it was an intentional yeah. decision, right? Yeah, no, I think, I mean, you know, I think there's probably an in-story and out-of-story explanation, right? Out-of-story explanation, I think it does give Oda a great way to segue into Kuma's backstory, right? Like, we're literally seeing his memories. In-story, um, I I think it would, like, the explanation would just be for Bonnie to, like, kind of, for us and Bonnie to really learn, like, what how significant a role kuma has played in shaping like the entire one piece like you know w- world around him. you know what i mean like we get a little bit of that after the 3d2y where you know we get back to the ship and like frank is like yeah kuma's just been protecting our ship for two years and everyone's just like he's such a <laughs> mysterious guy we don't we don't understand like he saved our lives and he protected our ship we don't really get you know, why he did all of the stuff that he did. And like, obviously, we we, we could have gotten some of this backstory from Vegapunk, right? But Vegapunk wasn't, also was not around for a lot of the formative stuff. Like, you know, like Kuma on uh, God Valley for like, you know, like, so I don't know. I think I think this was just Oda's way of giving us Kuma's backstory since Kuma can't actually tell it himself because he no longer has his well you know what worries me about the tragedy of this backstory is that cypher pole agent alpha and... now do we think that there is some kind of you know classical villainous medical professional or caretaker that trope right it seems like she's blocking bonnie off from the rest of the world so to your point, she's not going to even be able to learn any of this about Kuma. So she has to get it all from that pool of memories that she's witnessing at this moment. Oh yeah, like she's definitely not like I mean that's part of the deal, right? There's like no contact between Kuma and and Bonnie after that point. Right, right, right. But are, are we like we're just confirming that he doesn't break that. Yeah. 
I like to me it feels like it would be I don't know I I want to believe there's some more grandeur plans and it's just for Bonnie to be able to find out what he did like why would Kuma be like I'm gonna leave these memories so Bonnie can find out what like so Bonnie can find out how tragic I am like that's the opposite that's the that's the that's the that's the kind of to me egotistical thing that, that that's the opposite of what Kuma would do right he wouldn't want Bonnie to know that he suffered for her sake to me it's really like we're seeing at the same time as we learn these memories are here, we're learning that yeah. Kuma has some semblance of something that drives him to the top of the red line right now. He literally climbed up the red line, goes to Marajoie, like starts messing around and then poops, poofs himself somewhere, probably Egghead, like we'll see. But if he's poofing himself to Egghead, like he's got to know that his memories are around there. Like to me, it seems like it's, to me, it seems like there has to be some, greater meaning behind like plot wise behind him leaving those memories there besides them just being a plot device to exist for for um yeah. for like bonnie to find them so we can get a flashback but i so think i might have programmed just... no yeah. go ahead abraham no, no no you go 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 ahead you got it just real quick well what if he's programmed with something from vegapunk or from Same anyone more. really right so Right now, he is entirely not Kuma, or that's what we're supposed to believe, right? He has entirely lost his memories, his emotions, his psyche. So if he is a robot and he is operating solely on instructions, who put those instructions there? Because clearly whoever put those instructions there, this is not somebody who's on the side of the Marines, right? And Vegapunk right, is kind right, of right. – uh, even though we're led to believe for the first 1,050 chapters that Vegapunk is – an evil sci mad scientist we can clearly see that's not really the case right so that's what i'm wondering is is there another faction if it's not vegapunk what other faction that would have access to programming kuma what faction would want him to be doing these crazy activities that he's doing right now which is why i'm kind of starting to push towards uh you know the sword faction right they're, they seem to be operating on a level other than the Marines. They seem to be operating not necessarily against the Marines, but more for the greater good of, of society rather than just executing justice. That's interesting. Um, so the idea is that, that Vegapunk is aligned with – more aligned with S.W.O.R.D. within the Marines than with uh, just the rest of the Marines. So he's programmed him to do something that's more aligned with – making the world a better place, protecting people than just the normal following the rules of everything that Elder Stars, military, yeah, command, I mean, et cetera, says. I would think so. It seems like to me, and and you know, maybe other people think otherwise, but it seems like to me, Vegapunk seems like a good dude, right? I mean, he just seems like his pursuit of this extremely high level of science and invention, obviously he is going to be used by the government to create horrible, horrible weapons. But at his heart, it seems like he's just a good dude who loves science. It's true, and it's possible to think that Vegapunk um, – it's possible to think, like, understanding that Vegapunk might have programmed Kuma to come back to Egghead in this way, right, if he was trying to subvert the world government. In which case, I would really think that Kuma's going to get his memories back, even though it might be a little bit uh, sad for the moment, right? Like, I, I don't know if that's the kind of death Oda would actually give a character as well, one where he just, like, dies a robot, but, like, one where he gets to say thank you for loving me, right? Right. Uh, in the way Ace does, that's the kind of death he would give Kuma once we've come to love him, in the way we have. Uh, but I'm really interested in this idea of how might have he been 
programmed, like who might Vegapunk have been aligned with. Uh, but let, let's also not forget that, that York is part of Vegapunk's consciousness. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Like York is part of like when he put his consciousness in a different part, there's one part that wanted to betray everyone, become a celestial dragon. So it's it's not all good in there. That's true. I I, I was going to say, I think I missed I, I, I don't know if I misspoke or something. When, when I said one of the reasons like why in the story. Vegapunk's memories made like just be like on Egghead Island was for Bonnie to learn about her father. I don't I didn't mean to imply that like Puma put those aside for her to learn, right? Because we explicitly hear from Vegapunk where he's just like, Puma did not want you to see this, right? So that's that's not what I guess what I was saying. I was more saying that I would have put that into the story for like I guess us, the audience, and Bonnie herself to understand like you know get more about the lore of nika and really learn about how kuma has shaped the world around him right um right so i i guess i i'm more saying that is why oda included it now that's obviously not like an in store if, if you ask for like an in story reason maybe it, it it might be as simple as you know for kuma to go through the process where he like loses his soul and his memories and everything like he actually has to like push out his memories. You know what I mean? Like for for him to become this, like the reason why he became this soulless robot is because his memories were pushed out of him. You know what I mean? Like if you're asking why they're there on, but I'm saying, but I'm saying that like, but why weren't they destroyed? Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like this kind of thing could have happened. Like mm -hmm. clearly, if the world government was like, we need you to. But make this guy a soulless, uh, memoryless, whatever robot. Like Vegapunk has the ability to do that in a way that doesn't require Kuma to do it on his own. Like that's the full basis of this idea from me. Is it's interesting to say, hold on a sec. Vegapunk's been protecting these memories that Kuma himself extracted from himself, or like mm -hmm. whatever to extract. I don't know if extract is the right word, but like, like Vegapunk himself did that, such that Kuma can such that they would be protected, right? Like he, he wouldn't have to have been done it himself, been able to do it himself. And I wanna I wanna just second that, right? Because when Saturn is talking to Vegapunk, Kuma, and Kizaru uh, about the solution for curing Bonnie and then uh, Kuma potentially giving up his humanity to become a robot, Vegapunk is the first one. Vegapunk contests this idea before Kuma even says anything. And he is so against the idea of of killing Kuma essentially to do this, right? So I could see him doing that. Yeah. Um, how do I put this? I guess if you ask why those memories weren't destroyed, I would say that like Vegapunk and Kuma are very clearly friends, and I would be surprised. Like, I I would not destroy my friend. You know what I mean? Like, he's not going to just destroy his friend's memories, right? Like, I don't think you like if you're asking me for a reason why those memories are still there on you know what i mean like if i it's 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 it's, it's like if i had a, a a painting of a uh, like of a loved one you know what i mean like i know it's, it's not quite the same as like throwing it away but like you know it's like this this is like you know a part this is his 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 soul essentially right like and you know i don't i don't want to just like discard this so like i i could easily see that being a justification for why those memories are still on the island 
And man, I'm also not on, saying man. like this, this, this is what you always do, man. You it's things that are, are not narratively not things that are not narratively exciting. It's like when you talk about the Davy back fight, man, it's gonna slow the whole it's gonna hold slow the whole thing down. It would not be narratively compelling for it to just be that he protected it just because he wanted to protect it. And that and that's just there so we can learn about it as a plot device. First of all, you just because you don't find something exciting does not mean that it's not exciting. I think it would be like it would move me. Kuma shows up to Egghead Island. He goes, he pushes Luffy's pain and exhaustion out of his body. Nika comes back because now Luffy can fight again. And this legend that 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 Kuma has been, you know, told about and preached about since he was a little boy, he finally makes the legend come true by using his abilities. And that's basically the last thing that he sees before he dies as Nika takes out this villain. Like, Saturn is literally, like, the vil- like Kuma's villain. Like, and for you to say that's not... Man, that, that come on, man. He's <laughs> not gonna just... He's not gonna just push Luffy's feet. Like, he already did that once, man. Like, we're not just gonna get a repeat of what happened in Thriller Bark. It's literally what the second act... Of, like, the New World has literally been... Paradise Island's part of the Grand Line events repeating themselves with a twist. Dress Rosa is Alabasta, slightly changed. Like, if Canal had actually taken over the country. Um, what what other... Par- like, there are... Par- like, you can go arc by arc and be like, there are extreme parallels between what has happened and there. And oh, let me finish. This because... This because you don't like... This is the thing that bothers me with you sometimes. Because... Just because you don't like something, you act like it's a dumb idea and that it can't happen. <laughs> Whereas me, I'm just like, oh, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it could happen. This is what I think is going to happen. You're too close-minded. You, you got to learn to listen right. to what other people say and accept it. Bro. All right, all right. I, never, I, never, I need to step not. in here. Bob, I need to step in not. a little bit. This is what I was hired to do, I guess. Um, I do. I think you're both valid here. I think you're both valid. I think. I think that that I'm not going to comment on the Davy back situation. That's a touchy subject between the two of you. But in this situation, I do. I, I think that both can be true, right? Like, let's be honest. If the memories are kept there, there has to be a plot reason for it. But at the same time, Vegapunk is clearly close to Kuma and Bonnie, right? Like you, you can't, you can't spend a year with somebody, or is it six months? I don't remember, but six months to a year with somebody, modifying them, but also learning enough about them. And and honestly, I'm, I would bet Vegapunk has probably seen Kuma's memories too, right? This man is so thirsty for knowledge, and you know whether it's a, I don't know what if he would feel like it's an invasion of privacy or not. I, I feel like he himself would have gone through this this information, and, and clearly, right, Kuma knows something. Especially the fact that he's a buccaneer, he's seen God Valley, he knows what he knows, like the OG Nika legend, right? Now, <laughs> probably count on a handful how many people actually know that who are still alive in the world, right? And he knows something, right? So I think that Vegapunk kept it because Kumo was close to him and because he had such great respect for him. But at the same and, and let's be honest, Kuma's sacrifice allowed Vegapunk to push his science to the next level. Like that's a fact, but at the same time, right? It's it's a story, and at this game, you know, point in the game, if if this is mentioned, right? It's 
it's like Chekhov's gun. I feel like they've mentioned the memories. The memories have been, you know, Bonnie, Bonnie got a taste of them, but they're still there. Right. And I don't know if Bonnie is going to be core enough to the main plot line, because that's, what's kind of weirding me out is how uh, she's just kind of a side character, right? Where Kuma is the main character. Honestly, to me, it feels like Kuma is the main character of Egghead Island. Although I don't know how you guys feel about that. Oh, for sure. TBD, for but sure. man, yes. we didn't hire you. We didn't hire you to not choose winners. We hired you to choose winners and move us on, not to take both sides. All right, fine, fine. I agree. I, I think that the Davy Back fight would be fun and it would be a cool part of the narrative because it's still a competition and there's a winner. But in this case, I do think there's a narrative uh, uh, reason that the memories are kept around. So there you, you go. You both get one. That's a beautiful Thank answer. You. That's a beautiful answer. We forget. We're going to forget what you said about the Davy Back fight. Uh, but now I think it's a beautiful time to transition to our favorite segment because it's the only one we have. S-Class versus S-Class. And Abraham, I got a theory for you today that I think you're going to love, especially with me bringing it up. Let me hear it. This video is from 333-Ville. There was a – they had a video seven months ago, and they posted a new video three days ago, you know, uh, re-upping on it. It's that Luffy's mom is not Ginny, okay, but the missing empress of Amazon Lily. Is that an S class or an S class theory right there? That Ginny, you said that Luffy's mom is not Ginny, but the missing emperor, Empress of Amazon Lily? Exactly. Like the, the, Empress, the Empress before Boa Hancock or something? The one like who that? got love sickness that the old granny, whatever the mess her name is, uh Samir, if you if you know her name, please shout that out. Uh, he went not, off mute but didn't no, say no, anything. She ain't, she ain't got nothing. <laughs> uh, you know the missing empress who got love sickness that Boa Hancock keeps talking to. Um, that Boa Hancock keeps talking to. Sorry, that that the old that the elder of uh, Amazon really keeps talking to Hancock about uh, that the person she got love sickness with was possibly Dragon, who happened to show up at Amazon Lily, and that is how Luffy was born. That's the person she got love sickness with. Just to just to just to reclarify the timeline though, uh, being really anal about this is the elder that we meet when we first go to Amazon Lily, she's actually from three generations ago, right? Because Shaki is two generations ago. And then it's my assumption that the missing Empress is last generation. And then Hancock is this generation. Is that, it, does that, that seem right? The, the, the old lady. Yes. I think her name is it's Nyan. Nyan. It's Nyan. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. I, 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 she, I'm pretty sure she was on Rox's crew, actually. So I like how, like, that that just should give you a perspective for like the timeline. Regardless, I think I like that actually. I like that as an idea, right? Obviously, I don't I don't know what kind of evidence there could be for that, but just like you know, on like principle for like how interesting that could be, I would I'll call that an S tier S tier theory. You know, it's interesting because I think especially seeing Kuma making his way to Amazon Lily, we know there was this incredibly, oh, Gloriosa is her name. Thank you, Samir. Uh, oh, Elder, Elder Nyon is Glo- Gloriosa Nyon. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, go. Samir, cl- clarify that for us, please. Yeah, yeah. So the, the old one that we met, her, she is Gloriosa. She's on the Rocks Pirates like 40 years ago or something. Yeah. But she goes by Elder Nyon. I don't know why, but she goes by Elder Nyon. It's a very cute old, old woman's name. So 
basically like i think it's really interesting the idea that we've seen uh you know that's the one place i think we didn't actually see kuma go to in his flashback uh we know dragon's sort of a world traveler he's been all around the world and something like an empress going missing is the kind of thing that we read and it seems really funny at the time but the kind of thing that over and over and over for the course of one piece are this kind of like, you know, little breadcrumbs that are that are dropped for things that are more important pieces of the story later. We've already seen someone who's a member of the Rocks Pirates. I guess we've already seen uh, Shaki, although I guess every, everyone kind of uh, assumes that she got with Rayleigh and it might have been her. But I'm pretty interested in this theory, too. I think like it would be a, a good reasoning for why Luffy has a, a strong bloodline uh, beyond just him and Dragon. So... I'm also with you, man. It's an S-class theory. And how does it feel, me being... You see, I'm open-minded. I'm open-minded <laughs> to other theories about Luffy's mom. I just want to pull feel up... Yeah, this? I mean, I don't know. I like it. This is, this is possible S-class because I think there's a really good parallel here, right? Because we also just recently learned... Um, and it's like chapter 1080-something, right? About uh, Vivi's mom, if I'm not mistaken, who was given out now... Sorry, I said Vivi's mom. My bad. I meant Vivi's great, 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 great grandma is who I meant. But the the trope, right, of an empress or a queen abandoning responsibility in order for some other I would it's hard to say more noble, but for a cause that a lot of people could relate to, right? Um, I like that. So we have the missing empress. She dips because she falls in love, you know, maybe with Dragon, who knows, gives birth to Luffy. Cool. I like that. You know, Nefertari Lily, same thing, right? She could have ruled the world as a celestial dragon in that level, but instead she decided to just rule just Alabasta, you know, and through her bloodline, it seems like, I mean, Alabasta had some, from our understanding, right? Alabasta was pretty stable up until Crocodile started to manufacture all that bullshit, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so no, I'm I'm a fan of that theory. I think also it makes a lot of sense of uh, why Luffy was so accepted in Amazon Lily, not just because of his conqueror's hockey and and all that, but why Hancock might suddenly feel such a strong draw to him. Um, he is also of Amazon Lily blood. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's an interesting theory. It could happen. Um, but uh, we'll see. It's funny that you bring up uh, Lily, though, Nefertari Lily, because the theory that I, I got for you involves Nefertari Lily. And the it involve, involves Lily, the pawpaw fruit, and, uh, and Laugh Tale. So, oh, man, I know this theory already, man. Go ahead. <laughs> you know it already? I think I do, but go ahead. Let me hear it. Basically, the idea is that so a lot of people believe that Lily actually had the pop-off fruit because she was able to scatter the poneglyphs around the globe, right? Um, like that's something that Emu just straight up says. Um, and we also see that the pop-off fruit has the ability to push out intangible things like fear, pain memories and so on um so what this theory is basically like what if uh the thing on laugh tale that made roger laugh were joy boy's memories that lily pushed out of joy boy and left on laugh tale and and and, and so it's essentially a theory for what it is on La what is on laugh tale that made roger laugh 
Okay, you know, I have not I have not heard this theory. I'd heard about the lily had the uh pawpaw fruit before. I had not heard the actually like pushing out Joy Boy's memories before. You know, I I, I this this is crazy because this we've never had this this much back and forth, but I got to say I think that's an S class theory. That's very intriguing. And we haven't had like there's nothing to me that has been super compelling that I've heard so far about what could be at laugh tale i don't know if it necessarily had to even be lily who's the person who had the pop fruit to have actually pushed out um joy boy's memories but the idea that 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 roger actually got there saw someone's memories and was able to like enjoy live through that and and, and that's what made him laugh and truly tear up not to mention that if you're really like reading something it's gonna be hard to be laughing like that when you're really in it when you're like seeing someone's memories and you're experiencing that like that's the kind of thing that could really make you tear up in that way. So, this, you know, I got to give it best, to you, man. You came with an S-Class yeah. today. This is the best explanation that I've seen for what it was that made Roger last. So I, I thought I, I liked it a lot. I thought I thought you would really like it, too. I do. Oh, I hate to be that guy. I do oh, think boy, there's okay. one thing that one thing that I yeah. remember that I think holds it back okay. is if I'm not mistaken, it's not that lily purposely scattered the poneglyphs but it sounds like she called she by her stepping down or stepping away it sounds the way emu gave that information to to cobra right he yeah. emu he she i don't emu itself yeah. says it's a blunder that queen lily made and it doesn't sound like it was like oh queen lily uh you know screwed us over but it sounds like queen lily made a mistake and because of the mistake something uh something happened because imu talked about queen lily's incompetence right i don't think if if queen lily did it on purpose i think imu would have used a different word right like something more negative and more vindictive than the word incompetence or blunder yeah no that's fair i guess i my I don't know what kind of mistake can lead to the poneglyphs being scattered. You know what I mean? Like the, the way, because they're literally on islands, they're under the ocean, they're like right. all over the world, right? So when I when I read that, you know, like what, what you're saying about him describing her as incompetent, describing it as a mistake, I more just took it as like the translator being a little liberal with like, the words that they use because things i guess can kind of maybe be lost between translation like and like i don't know this is obviously also from the perspective of emu you know he calls it a uh a, a, a mistake but yeah. like um or, or or that might have even been like because i'm actually i just pulled up the chapter now no no like, you're not wrong the, the yeah emu goes on like yeah, he's like one must wonder if it was truly a mis a, a, a truly or a mistake or if it was a part exactly. of some larger plan right so it almost makes it seem to me like, you know, she maybe she described it as a mistake and was like, oh, I didn't right. mean to do this. This happened so that like the Nefertaris wouldn't be wiped out because obviously it's it's it, it, it would be weird that they're still like considered like, you know, the ruling family of Alabaster if they had betrayed Emo like that. You'd have expected their clan to be like wiped out. But I yeah. don't know. I guess well, my I mean... question would be. How else could they be scattered? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Oh yeah, you. no, 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 you're good. No, and and that's the thing. I don't, I don't think it's like a uh, 
that's like I said it was like the one thing that I feel like gives me pause in the theory. Um, yeah. Because it does sound like Emu is kind of baiting Cobra into the next part of the conversation, right? Where Cobra reveals that Nefertari was a D. And that larger plan of being a, you know, of being a DDs go against the Celestial Dragons. We've known that from the beginning. Um, I get that Imu was probably just really pissed at Lily, right? Um, yeah. I think that's what kind of, it's interesting, right? The way, the way we read it is just so interesting because we don't know what happens until we get a flashback. Because it could yeah. seem like she did intend to betray the celestial dragons and emu regardless but in her betrayal she might have also done something to cause the Pontyglyphs to be split up i don't know i mean i i think that regardless right it's clear that as a d she is part of some larger plan but that's kind of that's all incidental to me to the most interesting part of the theory which is that uh that everyone laughed at joy boy's memories and that someone took the, the, the memories out of joy boy and that's what they saw yeah. But I got another theory for you. Let me hear it. This one's from Dax Sake. I want to say real quick, too, that that channel has the accent. It feels like on the raw. It's not Sake. It, like, it's definitely. Like, so that, I don't know why they have the accent on the E in Sake. But uh, the theory from Dax Sake is that Enel's fruit is the source of power that Vegapunk needed to have infinite resources. The theory got a little more questionable to me when it said it was created by the ancient government, the ancient, oh, the ancient, the ancient kingdom. Sorry, to be able to resource their robots, uh, the ones like the one that we saw, etc. So Enel's fruit is the source of power that Vegapunk needs to create infinite resources. S class or F class? Ooh, I am gonna go with, I'm gonna go with F class. I'm going to go with F-Class because if the power source was as simple as electricity, I feel like Vegapunk would have that. You know, like, like that doesn't seem like it should be a limited resource to, like, power all of these, like, you know, this robot and all these other things. It feels like, like that this power source should, I don't want to say it's necessarily something as simple as, like, willpower, but, you know, something more, like, f like, I don't know if finite is the right word, but you know what I mean? Like, and electricity is just like it's everywhere. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just crazy that you think that that's that crazy because you think Laugh Tales in the Moon and you always cite Enel's story about that. But you know, yeah, I think that that's you know, I, I kind of agree. I think it's an F class theory as well. So <laughs> as as we've established, you know, there's no middle ground when it comes to what they post to me. You know, it's either S or F. So. Like, you know, unfortunately I've got to put it in F, but like There's a name for the Laugh Tale Laugh Tale is yep, I'm 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 on that. I'm on that. It's on the moon. <laughs> yeah. I didn't bring another uh theory for us today. So I think that's all we got for S class versus F class. But I do know that you went on another date last night, Jordan. Yeah, man. So, well, you know, I, I got something for you guys to theorize about. I got okay. Theorize Why don't you tell about. me how it went? Yeah. You know, it was a fun date. It was a fun date. But, you know, that's something I've just been thinking about. You know, the last few women I've dated or, you know, been with in any capacity, you know, probably maybe like six out of the last seven or something. You got a couple like one or two years older and you start getting like a few six or seven years older. And then a couple, you know, 
20, 23 years older. It's like, when do I need to go see a psychologist? When do I, when, when do I need therapy? Uh, like, it, it, I think we're past the point where this is, uh, we're past the point where it's deniable that this could be a thing, you know? Well, I, I, I mean, I don't, the thing. I don't know. You like what you like, right? Like, you know, it's like some, some people are into feet. Some people are into asses. Like, you just, you like them old, a little bit old. I don't know if I, I mean, do you think there would be a cutoff for you? Like, I know 50 is one thing, but like, like 70, 80. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> like, <laughs> yo, quit with the grave robbing, Jordan. Hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey, listen, you know, I went down, I went down a few years ago. My grandma's 90. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I was no. Looking around like, you know, you know, I might just. I might just. I was down in I was down in Florida too, uh maybe. I don't think I think it was my grandpa's hundredth, my other grandpa, not um my and, and you know, I, I my knee was kinda hurt. I had like a little bone bruise at the time, so I wasn't training as much as I would normally be training. I went down to the little gym, um, you know, they got a little bike so I can do the bike like my PT told me to, said it's good for your bone bruise. And I was like, I don't know how old this woman is. This community go down to fifty plus, but I'm like, she has not skipped, she must have not skipped squat day for any of those last 50 years. So much talk. You know, I'm beginning to see why Jordan is such a subscriber to the Dragon and Ginny train. <laughs> His age difference means nothing to this man. Well, I, what? No, because here's the thing, Samir. Age difference does mean something to me, but I only look up. <laughs> I don't it's look a very down. optimistic way of looking at it. You said Samir and Jimmy. You said Samir. As yeah, you said, uh, Dragon and Jimmy. I, yep. I don't look at things that way. I don't look at younger women like that. I only know older women. We'll see. We'll see. No, but I mean, Abraham. When you get older. a good question. What What is your cutoff? I mean, for you, is it is it dating to like what is your what is your end goal? Right. Everyone's got a different goal when it comes to dating. So for you, I feel like your cutoff has to be informed by what your end goal is. What is your end game? Well, like, listen, you know, there's there's a different end game with a, with different people, you know. That's if right. If you're in Japan for a night and there's a woman, a lovely woman next to you at the bar uh, who happens to be older and you don't live in Japan, but you're there and you're trying to, you know, practice your language skills, you might have one objective. You go on a lovely date with uh, a lovely young woman uh, here in Providence. That's another objective. You know, it, it could be different things, but... Uh, the the object. All I'm saying is, you know, it, I remember at my birthday, Abraham was over at my house, and we were going on, and we were going on about like, you know, would you sleep with like a an old woman who is like not attractive to you? Um, would you sleep with an old woman for like how much money? And Abraham's out here saying something like ten thousand dollars or something ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing, we know I would do it for a bike. <laughs> yeah, it would not be. Uh, is it, you guys might represent both extremes here. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, if I'm doing something that I don't want to do, you're gonna have to compensate me for that. I know my worth. I'm not. I'm not hooking up with the old lady. <laughs> Just you know, I get this is different if I was attracted to her, but you know, I'm not really built like Jordan. So I, don't, I don't. I don't really see these. Oh, man, listen, man. I mean, you can close your eyes, can't you? Fifty is nothing, man. Fifty is nothing. Let me say that. Fifty <laughs> is nothing. That's not even. That's not even old like that. 
I think, look, I personally don't see any problem with it. You know, like I said, everyone has their own fetish. But. Oh, damn. Yeah. Wait, what? What? That's, that, that, you need to come on and say what you just said because <laughs> there's no you? way what it sounded like you said. No, Samir. Yeah, you, no, I just said, oh, damn. But... What you said. <laughs> I am just, I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. All right. No, I think there's. It sounded a... like it sounded like No, there's. I know what it sounded like, but there's a difference here, right? Like, so Jordan, here's my question to you, just to just to wonder, is this a fetish or not? Is this something where you like the age difference or you could see yourself as you get older, right? You're still into the same age group of women. You know what I mean? Because it's not it's not interesting if you're 45 and you're dating a 50 year old, right? Yeah, that's a good question, right? Like, uh, I mean, I think because well, it's not like I'm not attracted to women it's not like I'm not attracted to women who are my age. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and we have confirmed in the chat that it, we did think Samir said gay. And so we're glad that he did not say that. I just want to put it out there. I said, oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. I want to clarify. I said, oh, damn. Like, yeah. I am oh not giving God. this any room for any issues. I had to, I had to I stop for a second because you just had to stop. Not this is my like, first episode. I'm gonna be like crucified on the internet if that. Okay, well, we'll keep going. It's not like I'm not attracted to my own age, right? Like I see women. I said that I see women who are my own age. I dated women my own age. I dated a few women, you know, a little bit younger than me. My last girlfriend was three years younger than me. You know, there are a lot of beautiful women. It's just interesting. Like I don't know exactly what it is, but I like I, I will say I think there's something about my level of straightforwardness in dating and like being relatively clear about what I want I'm interested in uh and like wanting to be upfront about like if I want to see someone I'm just gonna be like yeah I want to see you again uh that I think lends itself better to dating older women and like sometimes you get yourself in a little bit of trouble with wanting different things you know uh but like one of the things that was great about this date last night is you know she's 36 she was like yeah I don't know if I want kids like I'm kind of at that point and it hasn't happened yet and I was like that's that's beautiful that's that's great like <laughs> we we can work this out but it, there's this thing that happens like when you're dating younger women where oftentimes you will text like you'll you'll go on a date you'll have a lot of fun whatever and then like they change their mind for some unknown reason you have no idea what's going on like it's just whatever um and like with older women it's just kind of like oh like i actually just kind of want to have sex like or like want to go out and like i understand that like we do we're just gonna know each other so it's cool no, yeah, I, no, I mean, go, go, go ahead. Samir, go oh, ahead. no, thank you, Abraham. Yeah. So just just to put up one of my own experiences to compare um, when I was, oh, man, let's see, 19 to 22, I dated someone who was six and a half, seven years older than me um, on and off. Right. Woo! And so oh, boy, he on that game. See, that's what, so that's what I'm saying is I get it. I get knows. that because even at that age. Right. It's like that's a whole nother now. It's a whole nother ballpark because you talk that's about crazy. how in your early 20s, you know, let's be honest, like like you said, people are so immature when it comes to communication. Right now, it's it's a whole nother ball game when you're already in a committed relationship. But if you're dating somebody and you're not upfront with what you want, then you're just wasting everybody's time. Right. And I can respect that because I think that's something that comes with experience where you realize that if someone is wasting your time, there's no reason to entertain them any longer. And so I can I can respect that because you you get to the you get to the point real fast. 
because sometimes yeah sometimes you want to sleep together sometimes you just want to go out get a drink sometimes you want somebody to you know go get a nice dinner with or go to some event together go to a function together i get that and you know i, I can appreciate that so i can agree with that only the only thing i gotta say about this jordan is i feel bad for the 50 year old plumbers you know the blue collar plumbers and the carpenters and all these people that are you know you like there's, there's there's already not that many age appropriate women for these guys to go after and now they have to compete with men 20 20 years younger than them and i just feel like you're just taking away opportunities from from people you know this is why we can't this is why we can't have affirmative action in this country I'm joking about that. You think you don't understand, though, man. I don't think you understand, right? Because, man, you, you, you haven't been single for too long, man. When you get single, it's, you get the divorcee game is real. The divorcee game is a real thing. Uh, these 30-year-old women, and right now, most of the women around our age are like what I call the class one divorcees, you know? It's like, that's the, that's the like, I got married and I wasn't super happy or he cheated real quick. Like we talked about last time and we got divorced real quick. Now, I, I might not be happy about that money I spent coming to your wedding if you didn't work that out a little harder, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> you see, these 50-year-old men, they got the class two and the class three divorcees, which is the the, the second one is like the we, we were married for 10 years, didn't have kids, but it just kind of things changed. And the third one, of course, is that we had kids. We stayed together to raise them. And like uh, my lovely friend who bought me that bike, uh, <laughs> we once they got old enough, we got divorced and we we're around 50. And I talked to my PT and he said, he said, we, he said, they, we talked to our friends who were getting divorced and they are all sleeping with each other. So I'm just saying Mr. 50-year-old plumber is doing just fine. I mean, look, he's, he's feel like it's not fair. You know, it's like, you know, they have weight divisions in boxing and MMA. <laughs> <laughs> They've got age cutoffs on Tinder, you know? <laughs> you know, just... I, I, I feel like if I was a 50-year-old single man right now in America, I, I would, it's particularly in Providence, I, I would feel some kind of way about you. <laughs> you know, you do, you know. You know, all that saying is uh, you can always improve yourself, right? You can't can't control what other people do. So it looks like it's just competition driving up the goods on the market. That's all. Yeah. Oh. I, I wanted to find something funny to call myself like that. I, I'm that boy she tells you not to worry about. I'm that young man she tells you not to worry about, you know? <laughs> like, I'm that oh, child she tells me not to worry about, you know? <laughs> man. On that note. I want to talk about something. It's actually a couple. It's a little a month or two old at this point, uh, but you know, we got to hit on general pop culture at least once per episode. And today, I want to talk to you guys about Dwight Howard. Uh, so I don't know how much NBA basketball you guys watch, um, but Dwight Howard, you know, man was a, a monster in like. NBA in the early in the like mid to late 2000s and early 2010s. Like he was a perennial MVP candidate, you know, great great player, came straight out of high school. But as of lately, there have been allegations 
that he has he has so he you know there've been he's there've been allegations that he will he's invited men his home to to do like sexual acts with them and that once he's brought these people into his home that he kind of surprises them with other people also being in the house and being like, yeah, I know you thought it was just going to be me and you, but, you know, you got to get this guy off too. And when, and like a number of these men have said that, you know, were essentially forced into doing sexual acts with, you know, Dwight and I guess his companions or I guess... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> conspirators, however you want to call it, but that uh, they were essentially raped slash sexually assaulted by these men. Um, and again, you know, it's everything is it, it, there's, there's been no definitive proof or no court date at the moment, but this is this is like a, a, a story that kind of broke um, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And I feel like as an athlete, Jordan, that you might have an interesting maybe perspective about, I don't know, uh, what isn't, it's not acceptable in the locker room, how that manifests, you know, in like societally. You know. Yeah. Let me say, I, I definitely don't know if my, my, uh, my in, in, opinion on this is uh, informed by my perspective as, as an athlete, you know what I'm saying? Uh, because, I mean, this this is this is this is not something. I mean, you know, you, we you talk about like your love life. You talk about whatever you you know, get naked in the shower and swing your stuff around with all dudes next to you. Like that's that's like all pretty pretty standard. Um, random like locker room uh, screwing around. Uh, like honestly, just the the first thing I really think about is you know, to me, it's obviously just really sad for the NBA. Um, you know, we we've had like one. Like there was one openly gay player who almost played in the the NFL, and like we clearly seemed to be blacklisted despite being SEC Defensive Player of the Year and Michael Sam. The only player that we had in the uh, in the NBA, I think, was Jason Collins, who played for the Nets, and he wasn't like a particularly good player. He was just kind of like in the NBA as an openly gay uh, player. Uh, and so like, this is actually like an opportunity where there's someone. It turns out there was actually like an NBA superstar, not just. Um, not just like a dude on the bench, not just like a sixth man, uh, an NBA superstar who who is gay. And, and that, to be fair, right? Like there's probably other like gay pro players who just aren't open. But it's so sad that this is the way that that sort of thing uh, gets brought to the world. Uh, like you would have obviously I, liked to have seen it happen differently. Yeah, I do want to say we, 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 he has been very coy about all of this stuff, including, you know, his sexual orientation. So, you know, he like we don't we don't we don't we don't necessarily know if Dwight Howard is gay or if he's bisexual or if he's straight and or you know, whatever how, however he wants to define his sexual orientation. But I think your point still stands about you know anything other other than like you know a cis heterosexual you know man you know that like I, that doesn't appear to be his lifestyle and that is you know you know a, look, those are a group of people that have definitely you know discriminated against in athletics, right? Like, so I think your point still stands, but I guess I, I didn't want to, you know, put Dwight in a box, necessarily. Totally, totally. And, you know, 
And I say, you know, before we get down to less, you know, because on one hand, this is obviously a very sad story. On the other hand, it's just wild to see like an NBA player's like text messages when, you know, you, you, you got someone text messaging, you know, what you doing? What's helping my sister cook? Just chilling now. What you doing, babe? Thinking about that meat. <laughs> right? Like, like, like we seeing things like that, you know, like. I'm in it. Like, let me see eggplant. You know, I said, I, I honestly admire this dude's uh, dirty texting game, man. I admire this dude's <laughs> dirty texting game. Like, <laughs> I mean, this goes back to what you were saying before, right? Like, you got respect for people who are to the point, and you know, you can say whatever you want about the situation, but let's be real, this guy got to the point. You know, <laughs> that's what there I'm saying. Like, no beating around the bush. I'm I'm not saying we should all be texting people who aren't who aren't like uh who you aren't kind of like talking to like this right like you know the the girl I was talking to I went out with last night she was talking about how our landlord used to text her saying uh you know like with her kissy faces even though he's married and everything but like Dwight Howard like like this dude texts him like is anyone over here and he's like my son's in bed the guy's like okay perfect. he's like yeah you get over here tongue tongue emoji. Tongue emoji, eggplant emoji. You just gotta leave before everyone wake up. <laughs> like, <laughs> dang man, your son in the house. Like, <laughs> your son in the house. You gonna sneak someone in the window? Like, I, I love, I love the. I wish I admire this man's game. I wish I had the ability to, uh, to just so forwardly start sending these kind of messages like this. Well, you just need to find yourself in a committed, mm-hmm. monogamous relationship. Oh and no, no, hold be- on. Believe me. The opportunities will come, <laughs> but you, you know some because because I was in a committed I was in a committed non-monogamous relationship, but I was in a in a deep relationship, and you know we would text a little something here and there, and there was another girl who would text me sometimes in New York. She was sending me she was sending me some she was saying some wild things. I don't even want to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not saying, I, but I'm saying like the ability to just start going in like that. Like someone says, what you doing, babe? And you said, thinking about that meat? I mean, you know, I'm not thinking about that. But, you know, thinking about whatever, like, thinking about that cat, like, that's that's just like, like, what's up? Just Bro. thinking about that cat? All right. Like. All right. Uh, I can see why you have not been texting some women <laughs> the things you are admiring <laughs> Mr. Dwight Howard Bro. for. Bro, <laughs> I've never heard anyone call it a cat. Like, <laughs> bro, I am married, and if I texted my wife that, I'm pretty sure I'd get on a list. So I don't know what you've been saying. <laughs> I told you, boss. I said, listen. I told you that I don't send all these wild things. I'm just saying that. That's true. That, that's true. Except, except for that one time with that one girl, and that got crazy. Because, like, she was, she's in New, and she just started texting me, like, uh, she's like, you know, basically, like, what's up? Like, you doing anything right now? And I'm just like. No, <laughs> and it, you know, and I'm not, I'm not about to get into that on the air. <laughs> you, you've, you've never just been like DTF. You've never said, you've never said like a, a booty call kind of text. Yeah, a little, you know, afternoon delight. You're on your lunch break. You're just like, yo, what you doing? That's all you gotta say. Okay. But like, so you're saying, you're, but day. you're saying that person texts you and you respond thinking about that cat, like. Yeah, because sometimes you know what they're texting you for, right? Like, you just know, <laughs> right? Like, again, no need to beat around the bush. That's true. It's, true. Yeah. it's true that you know. I'm just saying that I admire that, like, you know what I'm saying? I get a little scared sometimes. Like, I get a little scared. Like, 
Well, so to, no, to see the courage and the the the, the courage that Dwight Howard um, demonstrated in just courage. someone says what you doing and he says thinking about that meat I think like you know some people say courage some people say horniness some people say audacity uh, yeah many, <laughs> a lot of words for it yeah that's all I got man that's all I got yeah. I, I admire it. Uh, I wish that this story happened uh, some some other way. Not uh, in as Dwight Howard is my take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a <laughs> it's an important story. But thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, all five of you, like, comment, subscribe. I'm your fast friend. He's your smart friend. We got a bald guy now behind the scenes. Yeah, let's go, baby. But we're your friends who read One Piece, so keep checking us out. Peace.